talk about tonight is evangelism, which is something that is near and dear to my heart. And, you know, it's been said of evangelism that, um, you know, God had one son and he made him a soul winner. And, and it's Jesus Christ. Amen. And how can we as Christians call ourselves Christians if we do not share our faith? And imagine again if everybody got the coronavirus and you had the vaccine, you had the antidote, what kind of person would you be if you kept it to yourself? And the same is true when it comes in a much greater way with sin, because all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. And how selfish must we be if we don't share with people, again, the truth of the gospel? So we're going to talk about the mandate for evangelism, the motive for evangelism, and then the method of evangelism, and we'll just give a simple way for us all to share our faith. Jesus said in Luke 9, 19, excuse me, the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. And a truth that must be emphasized to every believer is that sharing our faith is not an option, but an obligation. It's not a choice to be considered, but a command to be obeyed. It's not a gift, but a responsibility. And in fact, one of the marks of a person who's truly a disciple of Jesus Christ is the practical application of evangelism. You know what? I love to talk about Jesus because I love him. I love to introduce people to my wife because I love my wife. I love to introduce people to my kids and my grandkids because I love them. But I love Jesus more. Can I get an amen to that? And when you love the Lord, how can you keep it to yourself? How can you not want to introduce him to everybody that you meet? And except, so, and sadly, so many Christians, if I were to ask, you know, how many of you have ever led anyone to the Lord? Now, we, don't, we can't save anybody. Let's make that clear. Can I get an amen? But we are called to share our faith. The results are up to God. The obedience is up to us. And the sad part is that there are Christians that will go their entire life and never lead one person to the Lord. Now, that's not because God didn't want to use us. It's because we don't let God use us. Can I get an amen? And the reality is that when this time has come and passed, only what we've done for Christ will last, and the only people we're taking to heaven, the only thing we're taking to heaven with us is people. So there's a mandate for evangelism. And guys, the only true source of peace is Jesus Christ. The answer is not religion, but a personal relationship with the Lord. We're not, we're not trying to draft people to Calvary Chapel. We want to bring them to Jesus. Amen? We're not trying to grow our church, we want to grow the kingdom of God. And how do we do that? We've got to get out of our comfort zone. Amen? We've got to recognize it's a calling that God has, not just upon the pastor's life. Amen? Not just upon the, the, somebody who's evangelistic like Ricky. You know, there's people that have the gift to evangelize, and he's looking behind him like, like we don't know. <laughs> but the reality, some of us, it's much more natural to be an evangelist to be evangelistic, but we're all called to evangelize. We don't all have the gift of evangelism, but we're all called to evangelize. We're all called to share our faith. Again, we have, we have a relationship with the true and living God. Is the world panicking right now? I was at Walmart right before I came here. Unreal. You would think that we were all being quarantined tomorrow. The shelves are empty. People have got four shopping carts. You know, they're like, they're so panicked that things are going to happen. And guys, isn't it good to know that we've read the end of the book and God wins? Amen. That God is in control and he's faithful? But guys, we have that hope within us and we must not keep it 
to ourselves. We have it. We've been born again. We're new creations in Christ. We're filled with the spirit of the living God. And I can think of nothing more selfish than if we were to keep it to ourselves. I've shared this illustration before. When I was working, most of you guys know I have a sales job. And when I was working in the San Jose office, my boss called me in one day. And she told me, hey, Dave, I'm going to have to ask you to take all your Christian stuff down from your cubicle. You know, all, all those Christian stickers in your cubicle, it's offending people. And there's people that are complaining. And I told my boss, it's supposed to offend people. That's exactly why it's there. It's the words for, it's, it's called conviction. Can I get an amen? And she said, well, you, you know, you, I'm, I'm going to need you to take it down. I said, well, the guy behind me has got a gay Johnny poster. The person behind, behind them has got a bunch of feng shui stuff with a Buddha and an orange in its lap. And he ain't ate it yet. Can I get an amen? And the person behind them, you know, has got a, a bunch of half-naked women in a calendar. I said, so why is it the Christian has to put his stuff away when the world gets to leave their stuff out? And I said, what kind of person would I be? And I used this analogy. I said, if everybody in the building was sick and dying, and I had an antidote, and I took it, and I was cured, what kind of person would I be if I had enough for the whole office and I just put it in my drawer and locked it and let everybody around me die? I'd be the most horrible person who's ever lived. Guess what? Everybody's infected with sin. They all need Jesus, and I am not going to keep it to myself because that would make me the most selfish person on the planet and would make me somebody who's being disobedient to the command that God has placed upon my life. So I'm going to respectfully tell you, boss, no. And she said, I, did, I knew you wouldn't do it anyway, but I had to tell you, so I'm going to put it in your jacket and, and we'll move on with life. And the reality is, and one of the stickers that drove people crazy, it said, National Atheist Day, April 1st. <laughs> the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Amen? And the reality is, now, we don't want to be obnoxious, we don't want to be self-righteous, but we need to be contagious. Can I get an amen? And we need to live in such a way that people want to know the God that we serve. We need to be people who have peace when no one else does. People who have joy when no one else does. Because, guys, it's not based on our circumstances. It's not based on what's going on in the economy. It's not based on the stock market. It's not based on our health. It's not based on our bank account. It's based on the fact that we're born again, filled with the spirit of the living God, and we're going to heaven. Can I get an amen to that? And, guys, that ought to bring joy to everybody. It ought to bring a great passion and a great joy to our lives. The world and those who, are, who we love are dying all around us. And again, we have an endless supply of the cure, and we must not keep it to ourselves. Again, I'm not a big fan of teaching. Uh, I think it's the first time I've taught something that wasn't verse by verse in 10 years. Because I love just teaching through the Bible because nothing less than a whole Bible makes a whole Christian. Amen? But if there is a topic I'm excited about, it's evangelism. Because how can we not tell the world that so desperately needs Jesus? I can think, think a few things. Guys, it's easy for all of us to slide into the Christian comfort zone, to be passengers on the cruise ship to heaven, to be selfishly satisfied with our own salvation, to put the get-out-of-hell-free card in our back pocket and never share our faith with anyone. Now you might say, well, Pastor Dave, I'm convicted already, and I should have stayed home. It was raining anyway. And I'm already convicted because that's just not my gift. It's not a gift. It's a calling, and we've all got it. Amen? Look at Matthew 28, 19, that first verse there. What does it say? Jesus is ascending, about to ascend back into heaven. He's there. He's got the, the apostles around him. 
And he's giving them their marching orders. Like these are the last words Jesus is kind of speaking to his followers. And here's what he says. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The command is to go. Later he would say, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And here's the truth. If we're not fishing, that means we're not following. Can I get an amen? He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And so if we're not fishing, we're not following the example of Christ. Again, these fears are not only seen in individuals to go out and get out of their comfort zone and obey the Great Commission and do what God has called us all to do. But we're even seeing in churches today who are replacing the unadulterated and bold proclamation of the whole counsel of God with a watered-down, man-centered gospel that tells men what they want to hear instead of what they need to hear. I promise you that will never happen here. We will never tell people what they want to hear. We will always tell them what they need to hear. Can I get an amen to that? Because too often there's a fear, even within the heart of pastors, that they're afraid of offending somebody. But the Bible says the cross of Christ is a a stone of offense. It's offensive to people to be told they're sinners. By the way, if you haven't been told lately, you're all stinking vile sinners just like me. Can I get an amen? We're all sinners in need of a Savior. Until people recognize they're sinners, they'll see no need for a Savior. And so we need to recognize, yes, I'm a sinner. I've fallen short of the glory of God, and that's why I need Jesus so desperately. Many churches today have turned our God from the almighty, all-knowing, all-powerful, holy, righteous creator of the universe, to whom we will all bow in brokenness, confession, and reverence, and awe of him one day to the holy Santa Claus in the sky that only exists to give us stuff. There are churches today doing that, and it breaks my heart. Words and concepts like sin and repentance and brokenness have been replaced with self-esteem, self-reliance, and self-promotion. The church as a whole, and we as individual Christians, are often being more impacted by the world than having an impact on it. You've heard me use the analogy, thermostat or thermometer, which are you? Uh, What does a thermometer do? It just reflects the environment around it. What does a thermostat do? It changes it. Amen? And guys, we ought to be changing it. Because tomorrow when you go to work, you've heard me say it a hundred times, so hundred and one won't hurt you. The Holy Spirit just entered the building. When you're, when you're going around its neighborhoods and hang, handing out Saturate USA, the Holy Spirit has entered that neighborhood. Why? Because in the, in, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And people are spiritually dead and they need Jesus. And we're just one beggar leading another beggar to the bread. And I have such a burden because, you know what, there's going to be some people die of this virus. So first of all, look, we wanna, we're not going to panic. Can I get an amen? But we're going we're gonna to use wisdom. You should be washing your hands anyway. Can I get an amen? I, I, I'm surprised that people are just figuring out now washing their hands is a good idea. So wash your hands. If you're sick, stay home. If not, go to work. Can I get an amen? amen. And let's be salt and light wherever we go. And let's not be people who walk in fear. I'm just blown away by the panic of the world around us. See, the world is lost. Our family, friends, and neighbors, and coworkers who don't know the Lord are looking for fulfillment in their careers, and money, and possessions, and relationships, and drugs, and alcohol, and false religions, and physical pleasure, and comfort. And they'll never find the answer because their flesh will never be satisfied. 
If you've ever done drugs, you can't do any, enough drugs. If you've ever been bouncing from relationship to, to relationship, you can't be with enough people of the opposite sex. There's, there's nothing out there that will satisfy that God-shaped vacuum that only Jesus can. He's the Prince of Peace. and Without him, we'll never have any peace. So looking at the mandate for exa- uh, of, of the gospel, he tells them, go. And that go means all of us. Dr. Hyman Appleman, a born-again Jew who became a mighty personal soul winner and preacher of the gospel, said, evangelism is a cause against which there is no argument. We can debate pre-trip, mid-trip. If, you, if you're mid-trip, you're wrong, but we can debate it. <laughs> you, know, you know, I thought about the tribulation by what's going on right now. Have you seen the panic? You know how many people in the United States have died of the coronavirus, at least the last study I saw? 36. 36 people have died. And you would think that the world's coming to an end. Amen? Can you imagine when 125-pound hailstones that are on fire are falling from the sky, and there's plagues, and people are dropping? I mean, people right now, I, I, was, I heard from somebody today that uh, somebody used, uh, I think Doug might have told me, somebody held up a sparkless water truck and stole the truck <laughs> to get water. People are acting, I mean, I, I'm, I'm willing to trade five rolls of toilet paper for a beach house if anyone to make that trade, right? I mean, people are losing their minds. So imagine what the tribulation will be like when the Holy Spirit has been removed. And guys, we need to be the calm in the midst of the storm. It's not us, it's, the, it's Christ in us, amen? It's the Holy Spirit in us. I think we still have about 85% of our Saturate USA stuff to hand out, amen? And so as we do that, there's going to be divine appointments, And we need to be prayed up, amen? Before you walk out, get on your knees. Lord, start praying for everybody you're going to come into contact that day. There's going to be some divine appointments. And we want to reach the cities around us that desperately need the Lord, amen? So there's a mandate for the gospel. And again, while people may debate other points of view, evangelism, there's no argument. And let me just say this. Why does the church exist? There's various answers. The ultimate answer are found in Jesus' words when he, again, in the Great Commission, to go therefore into all the world and preach the gospel. So we are called to know him and to make him known. That's why you exist. Amen? You exist to have a relationship with the Lord and to tell others about him. You're called to have, and if you have this relationship with him, you're going to have a relationship that goes this way with with a, a great impact. Guys, you cannot impact the world if Christ hasn't impacted you. So continuing looking at, we talked about follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I want you to know that God's not looking for ability, but availability. He doesn't, he's not looking for the, the most uh, charismatic person. He can use the simplest of pers- people. And you know what? He's just looking for someone who will say, Lord, use me. Here I am, use me, use me. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Continuing the mandate. Looking at the mandate for the gospel. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. I love this. It's transforming. So Jesus had breathed the Holy Spirit in them. He had breathed the Holy Spirit in them in the gospels. And then as he went away, he told them to go and wait for the Holy Spirit would come upon them. And see, guys, when God calls us to do something... He will empower us to do it. So you might be sitting here saying, I can't share my faith, Pastor Dave, I'm too shy. It's just not my personality. And you know what? Okay. But guys, it isn't us. It's the Holy Spirit in us 
that does it. Can I get an amen? And the perfect example is Peter. See, Peter, before Pentecost, fell asleep when he should have been praying. He, he told the Lord, not so, Lord. He lopped off ears with swords. He was constantly making a mess of it. And then he denied Jesus three times. We'll talk more about this later. But then, look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be what? Witnesses to me. See, one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is boldness to share your faith. Because again, the Holy Spirit is three ways. I know you've all heard it. That it bears repeating. He's either with you, in you, or upon you. Amen? He's with everybody. They call him their conscience. It's how the world knows right from wrong. The world, there's nothing good in us. There's no good in us. We don't know right from wrong based on our own good nature. We don't have one. We have an Adamic nature. Can I get an amen? But the Holy Spirit with us helps us know right from wrong. But here's the good news. When you gave your life to Jesus, he went from here to here. Now he's in you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He is your down payment on heaven. You have the promise of eternal life. Guys, this is how you know you're saved, because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. But notice that he breathed the Spirit in them, and he said, go and wait, for the Holy Spirit shall come upon you. And it says right here, and the Holy Spirit shall came upon them, shall come upon you, and you shall re- receive power. The word for power that we talked about, this is dunamis, where we get the word dynamic or dynamite. Amen. You know that word enthusiasm is entheos, which means filled with God. So guys, if you're filled with God, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you ought to be a little enthusiastic about Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? More enthusiastic about the Lord than anything else in your life. By the way, we're going to start turning the music up on Sundays. We've had people complaining, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to buy earplugs for, the, for the, the, those who are sensitive and think the music's too loud, because I don't think heaven's going to be quiet. Can I get an amen? And I get it. And we have people that can't hear very well, and the music's been toned down to please a few that, ha- that think it's too loud. And we're going to give you some earplugs and love on you in Jesus' name, because guess what? In heaven, we're not going to be somber. We're going to be bringing down the house for Jesus. Can I get an amen? And you know what? That heart, that passion, that, in- that enthusiasm, that filled with God, the power of the Holy Spirit should radically change your life. Amen? You know, you know what? When you meet someone who's filled with the Holy Spirit, you know it. Can I get an amen? My dad used to call it, get baptized. He said, I don't care if you get baptized, get filled with, uh, poured out upon you. I don't care what you call it. Just get it. Can I get an amen? I've shared my testimony with you before, but I'll share it again. When I was 20, in my early 20s, I got a job, the current job I have now. I've been there 32 years. And when I got hired by the company I work for now, I had people would ask me, are you going to be a pastor like your dad? And I would say, no way. No, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus, but no, I'm a businessman. This is what I do. And I was a goal-driven guy because I played football in college, and then I was a competitive weightlifter after that, and I'm just a competitive guy by nature. And so when I got this sales job, my dream job, my goal was to be the number one sales guy in the entire company my first year. And by the grace of God, I did it. And they had me get up at the Anaheim Convention Center and talk to all the reps that were in the company at the time. Because they had this big thing where they brought all the telephone, the premise, and the key reps from the whole state to the Anaheim Convention Center. And they had me get up there and they gave me this crystal trophy and all this, you know, all these accolades and showed videos. And, all this, and I'm driving home from what should have been, you know, the most satisfying day of my life. And I pulled off 
the freeway in Acton. I lived in Lancaster, and I was sitting in a parking ride, and I just started weeping. Because I said, God, you got to have more for my life than this. I've got a beautiful wife, a, a home way, too, way bigger than we need, a beautiful baby girl, more money in the bank than I can spend, and my flesh will never be satisfied. Can I get an amen? And there was something missing, and I knew it. And I'm a, I've been a Christian since I was four and a half in Mrs. Green's Sunday School class, First Baptist Church in Wilmington. Fast forward 18 years or so, and I'm sitting in the parking lot, and I just cried out to God, and I said, Lord, I know you want to do more with my life than just sell advertising. So Lord, whatever you want, answer's yes. I don't know what it is. Answer's yes. And I, and I drove home, and my life was radically changed. My wife would tell you that when I got home from work that day, she said, my husband changed. And you know why we changed? Because it's less of us and more of him. Amen? And I continually have to pray to be refilled with the Holy Spirit because I leak. Amen? We need to be filled again. But here's the point. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, God empowers you to do what he has called you to do. See, when God calls you, he equips you. How does he equip you? He pours out his Holy Spirit upon you. He gives you a hunger for the word of God. As you read it, it changes you, right? This is the only book where the, the author loves the reader, amen? And he loves you so much, you'd rather die than live without you. And so there's a mandate. Go therefore into all the world and preach the gospel. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And then he says, go and wait. Till my Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power and you shall be witnesses to me. Guys, it's a mandate for all of us to share our faith. So if that's the mandate, what's the motive? As we're talking about three different things here, what's the motive? Why should we share our faith? Why do we want to share our faith? R. A. Tory, finishing up with the mandate, once said, I would like to ask what right a man or a woman has to call themselves a follower of Christ if they're not a soul winner. Every saved person this side of heaven should be burdened for every unsaved person this side of hell. Amen? It should be something that keeps you awake at night. It should be a burden that stirs you up. So the Holy Spirit upon us, he empowers us, he strengthens us to do it. Again, and I love Peter, again, the one blowing it before Pentecost, after the Holy Spirit was given to him, he went from cursing and saying he didn't know Jesus to standing up and preaching with boldness in front of the same crowd of people he had run away from in fear, and 3,000 people got saved in a single day. See, it wasn't Peter got, became a better speaker or Peter tried harder. It was that Peter died to himself and was walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So guys, if we want to be used by the Lord, there's got to be less of us and more of him. Every Christian can witness, every Christian should witness, every Christian must witness in order to be obedient to Christ. Imagine what would happen if all of us did. And I want to say this too. Let me ask you a question. How many of you in this room got saved because you went to a crusade? No, nobody. So if it was up to Billy Graham to save everybody, we'd all be lost. Can I get an amen? If it was up to Greg Laurie, right? And praise God for crusades. Crusades are wonderful. But do you know very few, in you know, totality of all the people getting saved, most people don't get saved that way. Now, how many of you got saved because somebody either invited you to church or shared their faith with you? How many? It's almost every hand in the room. See, we're waiting, if we're waiting for Billy Graham, to, Billy Graham's in heaven. He's done. Can I get an amen? 
If you're waiting for Greg Laurie or you're waiting the pastor, you're waiting for somebody else, the reality is that we as Christians are the ones that God uses. You have relationships with people that maybe nobody else has. You've heard me say it. They don't put all the street lamps on one corner, right? Because you have a really bright corner. What they do is they spread them, they spread them out all out throughout the city. And God doesn't put all the Christians in one company. He spreads us out. We live in different neighborhoods and we go to different grocery stores. We have different family members. And you're the only Jesus some of those folks are ever going to see. And you have an opportunity to speak into people's lives that maybe no other Christian does. Amen? And God puts you there for a reason. To be used for his kingdom and his glory. Here will illustrate the difference between counting on evangelists and if we made disciples. By the way, we're called to make disciples. Amen? Remember it says there, it said making disciples, baptizing them. I remember going to the, to the uh, Promise Keepers back in the early 90s at the L.A. Coliseum. And there were 110,000 guys there. That's pretty rad. 110,000 guys singing worship. That might have been as close to heavenly worship I've ever been around. I mean, it was, it was amazing. By the way, it was rocking too. It was loud. It was okay. Nobody complained. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. But I remember one of the speakers got up and he said, I want you to get in a group of five or six guys and ask them, who are you discipling and who's discipling you? Because we're called to make disciples, not converts. Amen. And you know what happened? I got in a group of six guys. And they said, who who are you discipling and who's discipling you? Nobody, 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 all around the whole circle, myself included. And you know what? We've blown it in the church if we expect the pastors or the pulpit to be the only source of discipleship in the church. Can I get an amen? Disciple means learner or follower. And we're called to not just get people, you know, give them the get out of hell free card, but not, and not just to get them off the sinking ship, but Lord, to bring them to Jesus. We have an intimate relationship with the Lord because here's what happens. Disciples are contagious. Amen. And so here's an illustration I read years ago. The numbers might have changed a little bit, but it says, if the greatest evangelist who ever lived could win a thousand people to Christ every night of the year, It would take him 10,000 years to win the world to Christ. But if every disciple of Christ were able under the leading of the Holy Spirit to win just one person to the Lord and then train and disciple that person to do the same the following year, it would take less than 32 years to reach the whole world with the gospel and we'd be fighting over heathens. Can I get an amen? See, if we are faithful just to disciple one, just one person. Find somebody who's, who you've led to the Lord, someone who's new in their faith, and take them out to coffee once a week and just pour into their life. Just make yourself available. My, you know, over 5,000 people have my phone number. My phone rings all the time. I love it. I'm driving between sales calls. The phone rings. Got an hour on the phone talking to somebody about the Lord. I love it. Guys, we, we just need to be available and pray for divine appointments. Amen? And then find people and pour your life into them. So I would ask you the same question. Who are you discipling and who's discipling you? I've been a pastor 32 years. I still need to be discipled. Can I get an amen? I still need people to speak into my life. I still have my pastors who I call for counsel and for wisdom. And we still need that. Amen? And when we, when we start, you know, Christianity's not for the Lone Ranger. And so we have that mandate 
And again, let's get back now to the motive. First of all, it says in 2 Corinthians, we're not going to turn there. Go ahead and turn to John 21. That's going to be our next text. But in 2 Corinthians 5, it says the love of Christ compels us. The Apostle Paul says the love of Christ compels us. It's his love for us that compels us. Jesus loves us so much that it compels us to share with others the love of Christ that he has for us. Amen? His love for us compels us to share the gospel with others. But not only his love for us, but it should also be our love for him. Now, Peter, before Pentecost, when he, when he denied Christ, there's a word about that fire. I've, I've shared this with you before when we, were in, when we went through the gospels. But he was around a, a, a fire, and it's called, it says a hot coal fire in, in the text. And the word there is anthrokia, the original language. And it's only in the Bible twice. And it speaks of a, like a really pungent smell, like a fire that's got like coal in it. And it's just really, you know, it's really distinct. And isn't it amazing how you can smell something 10 years since you smelled it last, and it brings you back to the last time you smelled it? Can I get an amen to that? There's, a mem- there's memory there, right? So the next time we see the word anthrokia, so he was standing around the fire the first time, and it's when he, the, a young girl came and said, you're one of his followers. He had already denied the Lord twice. And he cussed and said, I don't know him. And he cursed. And as soon as he cursed and swore, they led Jesus out after he'd been scourged. And his eyes met the eyes of our Savior. And Peter went away and he wept bitterly. And he was just unconsolable. And what I love is when Jesus rose from the dead, if you guys remember, he told Mary Magdalene to go and tell his disciples, and especially Peter, that I have risen. Because he knew that Peter was broken. Because Peter said, I will never deny you, Lord, in my own strength. I will never in his own strength. He did. And guys, if we try to serve God in our own strength, we'll fail every time. But if we do it in the power of the Holy Spirit, God will do exceedingly abundantly above all we could even ask or think. Amen? And so here's what happens, is I love this. So now here we get to John 21. Let's pick up there in verse 15. I just want you to see this, because I love, I just love the grace of our Lord, and I also love just the motivation for sharing our faith that's seen right here. The love of Christ compels us, but so does the love for Christ. Because here's what he says to Peter, and I love this. So now he's in, the, he's in the ocean, or he's in the sea, and the Lord calls him in, and Peter throws his overcoat on and jumps in the water, and he swims to the shore, and Jesus is cooking fish. And it says of the fire, anthrokia. So Peter sits down, Jesus is ministering to him. The last time he had that smell, he had denied the Lord three times. It's not by chance that this happens as he's around the hot, coal fire. Look what it says in verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. And he said to him, what? Feed my lambs. If you love me, feed my lambs. Feed the the young in the faith. Feed those people, the, the, the growing sheep. She asked him that once. He denied the Lord three times. Then he says to him again, verse 16, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. And then the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know in all things, 
you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. See, he had denied the Lord three times, and now the Lord brings that memory back, and he gives a chance to confess him three times. But notice what he says to him. He doesn't say, if you love sheep, feed the sheep. He says, if you love me, feed the sheep. Hudson Taylor was once asked, is it important that missionaries, he was a great missionary, it's important that missionaries love people. And he said, well, no, it's important that missionaries love Christ. Amen? Because if you love the Lord, you're going to love people. Amen? If you love Jesus, you're not going to keep it to yourself. If you love Jesus, you're going to see people through his eyes. One of my daily prayers is, Lord, help me to see people the way you see them. Help me to love people, Lord, the way that you love them. So the mandate for the gospel is clear. Go therefore to all the world and preach the gospel. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Go and wait, and the Holy Spirit shall come upon you, and you shall receive power from on high, and you shall be witnesses to me. So there's the mandate. What's the motive? The love of Christ compels us, and our love for Christ stirs us up to share our faith. Can I get an amen? So we got the mandate. We've got the motive. What's the message? You know what's great about the gospel? It's not that difficult. Can I get an amen? There's no 12 steps, 15 steps. It's not, you know, it's not, uh, uh, it's not some mystery. You can share the gospel in a way that a four and a half year old boy at the First Baptist Church of Wilmington sitting in Mrs. Green Sunday School class in 1968 when I got saved, got up in front of everybody and put the little flannel board this, this is dating my Sunday school days, the little flannel board, and she shared the gospel, and then she gave us an opportunity to respond, and I raised my little hand, and she prayed with me, and she gave me a little white Bible, and I've been walking with Jesus ever since. And praise God for Mrs. Green. Can I get an amen? I'm thankful for Sunday school teachers. Amen? But see, the gospel is not hard to understand. Now, here's what I want to do. How many of you guys even had a chance to even look at, through one of these, the thing that we're handing out 11,000 of? Anybody? Didn't think so, did you? Regina did, God bless you. Uh, we used to use these in Russia, and uh, so I, I had it memorized in Russia. And this is not like the only way to present the gospel by any stretch. The gospel can be presented in a lot of ways. But if you're walking... As you're doing the Stimulate USA over the coming weeks and you're putting something on someone's doorstep and maybe you're walking away and they want to know what you left them and you tell them, oh, you know, it's a gift from our church and maybe you start to have a conversation and you might even be able to take it out and ask them. Say, hey, let, let me show you. And so I'm going to ask you guys the questions, but I'm going to show you it's not that hard to share the gospel. Amen? Now here's one of the things I love about this. It's called the Four Spiritual Laws. And I love to ask that question when I'm talking to people about, you know, are there, are, there, are there physical laws? What's the answer? Gravity. It's called the law of gravity. Amen? You don't get to vote on it. It's happening. Amen? You step off a building, don't believe in gravity, you're splatting on the sidewalk. And you don't have to believe in it. It's real. Amen? And just as there are physical laws, did you know there's spiritual laws? And these are things that are unchangeable. 
These are things that we don't vote on. We don't get to determine them. God created it this way. And here's the good news. Let me just start right off the bat. The first spiritual law is that God loves you and he created you to have a relationship with him. Isn't that good to know? There is a God. He loves you and he created you to have a relationship with him. Praise the Lord. Amen? Now, when you start sharing the four spiritual laws with people, it's good to say, hey, let me share the four spiritual laws with you. Can I encourage you? First of all, there is a God. He created you. He loves you. And he wants to have a relationship with you. And you know what? I'm sharing this in Russia. I've shared it in, uh, I've shared it in India. I've shared it other places. And it's just a simple way to let them know. And you know what? Right off the bat, they're like, oh, well, I'm not sure that I believe that there's a God. Guess what? These are spiritual laws, not spiritual, uh, you know, um, thoughts. Amen? Not spiritual opinions. You know, there's Ten Commandments, and this is the truth. Can I get an amen? So the truth is, there is a God. He, lo- he created you. He loves you, and he desires to have a relationship with you. And here's the two verses. It's on page one. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And you know what? Guess who's a part of the world? You are, Brett. The Lord loves you. If I'm talking to Brett, if I'm talking to him in front of his house or, or over lunch at work, the Lord loves you, bro. I just want you to know he loves you. Now, you know, some of us, we get, we get petrified. Pray and ask God to give you boldness to tell somebody the Lord loves you. Amen? He loves you. You know how I know he loves you? Because he loves me too. Amen? But not only does he love you, but it says this. Now this is the plan of eternal life, that you know the only true and living God, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Here's how you get eternal life. Knowing him. He loves you. He'd rather die than live without you. He proved his love for you. He, has a, he, he desires to have a relationship with you. And guess what? If you put your faith in him, you will have eternal life. Isn't that a wonderful plan? Amen? And I get them to agree. Isn't that, isn't that place God, amen? Oh, yeah, that's great. Well, guess what, though? We got a problem. Spiritual law number two. People are sinful and separated from God, so we cannot know him personally or experience his love. We're all separated from God. Sin is an archery term. It's the distance between perfection and where the arrow lands. And that is called the sin distance. And so, guys, we've all missed the mark. The mark isn't other Christians. The mark is Jesus Christ. If we compare ourselves to others, you might be closer to the bullseye than Adolf Hitler, but you're not close enough to the bullseye to compare yourself to Christ. Can I get an amen? So we don't compare ourselves to men. We compare ourselves to God. And what does it say? Here's the verses right here. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Guess what all means? You're part of all. Amen? I'm part of all. That means I've sinned and I've fallen short. Then it says this. God created us to have fellowship with him, but because of our sinfulness, our stubbornness, our own will, we chose our own independent way, and our fellowship with God was broken. The self-will characterized by an attitude of acting rebellion or passive indifference is evidence of what the Bible calls sin. Now, I love to go through the Ten Commandments. Depending on how long my conversation is, right here, I love to go through the Ten Commandments. Do you think you're a sinner? Would you agree you're a sinner? And once in a while you get someone who says no, I will say 95% of people go, yeah, I'm a sinner. They got it. They know. Holy Spirit with them has convicted them. Can I get an amen? They know they're a sinner. They know they're far from perfect. They know they've blown it. I love to take them to the Ten Commandments and just go through them one at a time. You know, I mean, how many sins does it take to be a sinner? 
How many murders does it take to be a murderer? Can I get an amen when they don't get it? So you let them know. And so all of sin and falling short of the glory of God. Well, here's the, here's the gnarly part. Romans 6.23 says the wage of sin is death. It's right here on the same page. So first of all, God, has a, God loves you. He created you to have a relationship with you. He loves you so much, you'd rather die than live without you. But you know what? You're separated from him because all of us are sinners. And here's the sad part. The wages of sin is death. You don't have to go into this in much detail, but I like to. Look, nothing died until people sinned. In the Garden of Eden, everything was perfect. People walked in the cool of the day. and Adam and Eve just talking to the Lord. Just having an intimate conversation with God. They were naked and unashamed. Nothing died. Flowers didn't die. Animals didn't die. People didn't die. And then they sinned. And then everything started to die. Sin brings forth death. Amen? So, God loves you so much. He created you to have a relationship with him. But because of your sin, you're separated from him. Now, here's the sad part. Now that we know we're separated, most people try to get to heaven by reaching up to God. And let me tell you how foolish that is. That's like trying to jump up and touch the moon. Can I get an amen to that? And you know what? Michael Jordan might get closer, but he ain't getting getting that close. Can I get an amen? He might get a lot closer than me. But the reality is we all fall short, and none of us can reach up to heaven. This sounds pretty desperate. Wait a minute. You got, there can be no sin in heaven or there's earth part two. God created me to have a relationship with him, but I've broken that relationship by my own sin and the wages of sin is death. And, and I can't go to heaven because I'm, what am I going to do? I, you mean, I can't be good enough. Going to church won't get you there. Doing good works won't get you there. Giving to charity won't get you there. You can't be good enough to get to heaven. Guys, we can't reach up. Here's the good news. We don't reach up. So he reached down. Amen. You've all seen the illustration in here. It's so simple. Here's the arrows. People reaching up, trying to reach God. And you explain that to them. Well, you can't be good enough. Turn to the next page, and it's the cross. God reached down to us. See, the bridge between sinful men and holy God is the cross of Calvary. Amen? It's the only thing that bridges the gap. He sent his son down, and now through the cross of Calvary, we can have intimate fellowship. See, that separation, the bridge between sin and death and eternal life is the cross. Amen? And it's the only way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. He's the only way. He's the only truth. He's our only hope. He's the only life. Amen? I'm adding stuff to this you don't even have to add, but I'm just trying to point out to you how simple this is. So men try to get there on their own good works, and they can't do it. So Jesus, point number three of the four spiritual laws, is that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. So God, has, God loves you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He created you to have a relationship with you. He loves you so much you'd rather die than live without you, but your sin has separated you from him. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It says, but he demonstrated his own love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Romans 5, 8, Christ died for us. Now, he proved himself to have triumphed over sin and death. It's right here in the, on page 3 on the third spiritual law. Christ died for us. He was buried. He raised from the dead on the third day. He appeared to Peter, then the 12, and he also appeared to the 500. See, Jesus can only have victory over death because he proved it by triumphing over sin and death by raising from the dead. Amen? Buddha, dead. Muhammad, dead. Hare Krishna, dead. Joseph Smith of the Mormon Church, dead. Charles Taze Russell of the Church of Religious Science, dead. 
the founders of the Jehovah's Witnesses, dead. Buddha, dead. All the false gods are dead. Jesus Christ is a risen and living Savior who has triumphed over sin and death. Can I get an amen to that? See, we don't serve a dead God. We serve a risen and living Savior. What makes Christianity different? It's the only one that's true, first of all. Can I get an amen? Remember one time I went and called a, I went and saw an old coworker down in San Diego. I was actually training all the reps in the state, and we had worked together in another company, and he invited me over for dinner. And of course, you know, we're five minutes in and I'm talking to him about Jesus. And he takes me out into his, he takes me out into his garage. I'll never forget this. And he, he takes these books. He goes, oh, I want to talk to you. And he was quite a bit older than me. I'm going to talk to you about this later. You're a young man and you're just kind of, you don't quite get it yet, but let me, I'll show you. So he takes me out there and he, and he takes out these books of all these different religious leaders. And he goes, okay, the Bible's over here. And then this book's over here. And 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 why wouldn't it be that God wanted to use the Bible for you know, the Europeans and this for these people over here and this for these people over here and this for these people over here? And he thought he was being really sharp and really intelligent. And I just said, well, here's the problem. They all disagree with each other. Amen? The Hindus have 130 million gods, and they're all statues. Can I get an amen? And guess what? They believe in reincarnation. That's why they don't kill cows. They think it might be grandma, okay? So they, 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 they believe in reincarnation, and they believe you got to do good, and hopefully you'll get another chance to come back again. I said, Buddhists are just trying to retreat, you know, get to the highest level of nirvana. And I went through all the, you know, Muslims believe that Muhammad was a prophet, and, and he's not. The false prophet, he's a prophet of the sword that got, got converts by threatening to kill people. A lot of people convert when you threaten to kill them. I said, and Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to Father but by him. You can't have reincarnation and a point for man wants to live and then to die, and then the judgment. Amen? You cannot have many gods and one God. They can't all be true when they contradict each other. And then I just said what I just told you. By the way, that founder dead, that founder dead, that founder dead, that founder dead. I've been to the tomb. I've gone inside. Jesus isn't there. He's a risen and living Savior who triumphs over sin and death. Amen? Oh, by the way, you want to talk about biblical prophecy compared to prophecy of all those other books? They don't have any. 252 prophecies about the the Messiah. He fulfilled them all. Born in Bethlehem. Born of a virgin, crucified on a cross. Like a lamb led to the slaughter, he opened not his mouth. We can go down the list all day long. How many, how many prophecies did Buddha fulfill? How many did Muhammad fulfill? And he go down the list. Guys, see, we, we, we have the truth. I love it when people want to discuss it. I don't get fearful. You know why? If God is for us, who could be against us? Amen. God's called you to do it. God's equipped you to do it. And I shared this point with you that, guys, I want to encourage you. To, I'm going to give you each one of these. Take it home and read it. Put it in your car. Be prepared to share your faith with somebody. Pray for divine appointments and watch what happens. Start praying for people by name that you are hoping get the coronavirus. I'm kidding. <laughs> the people you dislike. The people that, well, that guy could get the coronavirus. I'd be good with it. No, we don't want that. We're, not, we're Christians, amen? amen? Love your enemy, amen? You know that guy you dislike, that gal that drives you crazy, might even be related to him. You know what? Start praying for him by name. Start praying for a divine appointment to share the hope that lies within you. Jehan Jehansus, my Muslim boss, who mocked me for 12 years every day at work. And not, it wasn't until I left and moved down here 
And God opened a door that I got to share with her. She gave her life to Jesus. And then she came down here and I baptized her out here in Malibu. And now she's walking with the Lord. And she was my nemesis at work. And I prayed for her for 12 years. Find those people that drive you crazy and pray for them. Can I get an amen? Write down their names and start praying for them every day. Pray for a divine appointment. Pray for an opportunity to share their faith. You know what? Maybe get one of these and write their name on it. Can I get an amen? Lord, give me a chance to open this up with them. I know I'm giving you the more elaborate version. I'm going to go back and give you the simple version in a minute. You can share all this in about, about two minutes, okay? If you're in that situation. Spiritual law number three, not only did he die in our place and raised from the dead, but he's the only way to God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. He's it. No other hope, no other truth, no other life. Finally, so, so first spiritual law, God loves you, he created you, he desires to have a relationship with you. Second spiritual law, we're all, all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death, and you've been separated from God. The third spiritual law is you can't do enough to reach up to heaven. So he reached down through the person of Jesus Christ. He's the only way to heaven. Only through the cross can you be forgiven. But here's the fourth spiritual law. You must receive him. You must repent. And you must receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You can't just believe that there is a God. You can't just, you know, the demons believe and tremble. Amen? Just knowing that Jesus exists does not make you a Christian. You've heard me use this analogy, uh, you know, and I use Michael Jordan because I've had you for you. I know a lot about Michael Jordan. He won six NBA titles. He played at North Carolina. He tried to play baseball. He wasn't very good at it. He's in the NBA Hall of Fame, greatest NBA player to ever live, blah, blah, blah. I know a lot about him. I get in an elevator with Michael Jordan. He don't know me at all. Can I get an amen? I get in an elevator. I'm like, hey, and he's being like, who are you? There's a lot of people that way with the Lord. Hey, Jesus, I know about Jesus. Yeah, he was born in a manger, and, you know, he lived a sinless life, and he died on the cross, and he rose from the dead. He's got a best-selling book. Can I get an amen? I know a lot about Jesus. It ain't knowing about Jesus. It's do you know him? Is Jesus Christ your best friend? Do you wake up in the morning thinking about him? Do you spend your day with him? Do you have intimate fellowship with the creator of the universe? It's not about a religion. It's about a relationship. You must have a relationship with him. But the only way you can have a relationship is you must repent. You must recognize that you're a sinner, and you must surrender your life fully to the Lord. One of the things it does in the back here, and I use this a lot, it's actually pretty effective, and it talks about who's on the throne of your life. See, if you're on the throne, everything around you is a mess. Can I get an amen? The choices you're making, the things you're doing are a mess. And you know what needs to happen for you to be saved? You need to repent, which means to turn. I'm going this direction, and I turn, and I change my mind. Repentance is a great word, not a bad word. Can I get an amen? There are churches that won't use it. They act like it's a swear word. Repentance is an amazing word. Amen? By the way, Jesus preached, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John the Baptist preached, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The apostle Paul preached, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So guess what we're going to preach here? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Can I get an Amen? We're not going to apologize for repentance. But the word literally means to turn. It means I'm going in this direction, away from God, outside of his will, walking away from him. And repent means to turn around, do an about face, and surrender your life to him. To take yourself off of the throne and put Jesus there. Not just to make him savior, but to make him Lord. Amen? 
Romans 10.9 says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is not Savior, if Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. Amen? So guys, it's when we confess our sins. He already knows you're a sinner. You're not telling him something he didn't already know. Can I get an amen? But you come humble, broken, confessing your sins and crying out to him and saying, Lord, I want to be off the throne of my life and I want to put you there. I want you to adopt me into your family. I want you to make me your son or your daughter. See, all the other religions want you to join an organization. They want to control you. You know, they want to, they want to uh, make you fulfill a bunch of rituals and hope that maybe one day you'll get to heaven. You know what? Jesus paid the price for you. He paid it all. He paid it in full. You're born again. He's filled you with his Holy Spirit. You have the promise of eternal life. What a great and awesome God we serve. Amen? So there must be repentance. See, just knowing about him isn't enough. You need to know him. So you receive the Lord. You accept him as your Lord and Savior. You cry out to him. Now, a lot of people go, well, no one in the Bible doesn't talk about altar calls. Or, but here's what it is. You know what? We, you know why I give invitations? It's giving people an opportunity to make the public confession that the Bible calls them to. Amen? But just raising your hand and praying a prayer doesn't make you a Christian. You know, every time I do a funeral, I've never, I've, I've done, I don't know, 200. And when I do a funeral, I've never had anybody think that their person, the person that died wasn't in heaven. And I can appreciate that. Because someone you love, you want them in heaven. Can I get an Amen. And I'm not the first one to challenge it. But they'll say, well, I know he's in heaven because when he was nine, you know, he was at camp and he raised his hand and prayed a prayer. And then he spent the next 65 years living like the devil. You know, the Bible says, by your fruit they shall know you. And Christians aren't sinless, but we should sin less. Amen? There should be something different about us because we're filled with the whole. You know why? Because before when you lived your life, you're living according to your nature. Now when we sin, it's contrary to who we are in Christ. Amen? Before you ran to sin, now you're grieved by it. If you're not grieved by sin, you're not saved. Can I get an amen to that? If, sin, if your sinning doesn't bother you, you don't have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Because the Holy Spirit, you take the Holy Spirit out to do something wicked and evil... He is going to let you know. Can I get an amen? You're going to get the Holy Spirit head slap. Amen? You're going to get the conviction of the Holy Spirit because he loves you and he's going to want to draw you back. Those the Lord loves, he chastens. Amen? So there's no conviction. There's been no conversion. Amen? So let me just go through this real simply though. And then, you know what? Is it, what time do you guys have? 8-12. So here's what we're going to do. You gotta get out of your comfort. I got out of my comfort zone tonight. I don't teach topical. Anybody ever te- heard me teach a topical message before tonight? I don't do this, okay? I'm a Bible guy to the core, right? More Bible, less Dave. Amen? Can I get an amen to that? I like the whole counsel of God. But I just feel like this is something that we all need to become more comfortable in doing, which is sharing our faith. And it's as simple as this Hey, Brett, did you know there's four spiritual laws? You know there's spiritual laws just like physical laws? Did you know that? Guess what? The first law is that God loves you so much, he created you to have a relationship with him. Isn't that awesome? He's a true and living God, and he loves you. You know what, though, Brett? We got a problem. You and I are sinners. You know what sin does? It separates us from God. The Bible says all of sin have fallen short of the glory of God, and unfortunately, the wage of sin is death. Man, we got a problem. He's a perfect, holy God who loves us, but our sin has separated us from him. 
A lot of people will tell you, get religious, try to reach up to God. We can't reach up to God. So because he loves you, he reached down to us. He sent his son to come to earth and die in our place. He took all of your sin and mine upon himself and suffered on the cross of Calvary so that you and I might be forgiven. So the good news is that, yeah, we've fallen short. He created us to have a relationship with him, but he made it possible again through the shed blood of his son on the cross of Calvary. See, the cross bridges the gap between sinful men and holy God. But you know what? The last point is this. The last spiritual law is you have to repent. You have to make a conscious decision that you're ready to surrender your life to Jesus Christ today. Brett, are you ready to do that? See, there, how long did that take? 90 seconds? Guys, God will give us more opportunities than that. But I want to spend the last few minutes doing this. Only, I was going to say only if you're comfortable. Get comfortable. I'm going to hand these out, and I want you to pair up with somebody, and I just want you to go through it with them. Are we okay with that? Can we do that? Amen? And, you know, it's funny because in sales, I'm in sales, right? It's so funny. I, I, I go to training classes, and there'll be 1,000 people in training, and all of them sell advertising, and none of them want to do that, what we're about to do. When they say role play, people start, ah, I think I have to go to the bathroom. I mean, people leave the room. And these are people that talk to people for a living, and they don't want to do it. And I always volunteer. I'll do it. And I go up and do it. Hey, God's not giving us a spirit of fear, amen? That's selling advertising. This is talking to people about Jesus. And my hope is that if we just take a few minutes, I just want us to get more comfortable with the simplicity of the gospel, amen? God loves you. He created you to have a relationship with him. Our sin has separated us from him. Jesus came and suffered and died in our place to restore a sinful man back to holy God. And you must respond. You must repent to be saved and to be born again. There's the gospel. Amen? Let me pray. Let me pray real quick. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you would bless this time and help us, Lord, to better understand the simple truth of the gospel and equip us to be able to share it with people that need to hear about you. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.